0: Well, happy Monday, everybody. Hope you had a wonderful weekend and that you were in worship this past Sunday. If not, go to our YouTube channel or our uh, website and watch the service from this past Sunday. Today, we are starting our reading of the Gospel of Mark, chapter one today. I hope you've already uh, read this chapter and recorded in your journal using the here method. You know, H, highlight what verse, word, idea, theme, spoke to you. And then the E, explaining what does it say, what does it mean in the original context in Mark chapter 1. A, application, how does it apply to your life? R, how are you going to respond? Is there something you need to do, stop doing? Did A prayer you prayed? How did you respond to what God spoke to you through his, his word today? Always try to do that with these chapters. Before I share with you what spoke to me devotionally, I want to... Uh, Share with you a couple of teaching notes uh, from Mark chapter one. The first has to do with the deity of Jesus Christ. And by deity, we mean that he is divine, i.e., he is God. Mark chapter one, the first three verses, if you'll look at it, says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, so going back to the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord. Make make his path straight. Now, um, this is quoting Isaiah chapter 40, verse three in the Old Testament. And the messenger, the one who makes ready the way, is, is the prophet that was going to precede the Messiah. So referring to John the Baptist. But notice how the one that is to come after the prophet, i.e. the Messiah that we know as Jesus, what Isaiah said about the coming Messiah, i.e. about Jesus, who was yet to come when Isaiah wrote what he did. Um, At the end of verse 3, it says, Make ready the way of the Lord. Now, some of our English Bibles will have Lord in all capital letters signifying that in the Old Testament from which this is quoted, it was actually the word Yahweh, the holy name of God. So when you go back to Isaiah 40 in the Hebrew, it actually says make way, the, the way of Yahweh, which is the sacred name for God. So sacred Jewish people would not speak it, they would substitute the word Lord. So what this text is telling us is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the person that uh, Isaiah prophesied the prophet would make preparation for, the Messiah. So Jesus is this one that was to come after the prophet made his way. So John prepared the way for the Messiah, for Jesus, and here he's called Lord which is Yahweh, the holy name of God. So Isaiah and Mark here are equating Jesus Christ with Yahweh, God, the deity of Jesus Christ. The end of verse 3, make his paths straight. In the Old Testament Hebrew of Isaiah It's literally make a highway for our God, Elohim, one of the names for God, Elohim, God of us, thus our God. So two phrases, two words in verse 3 taken from Isaiah 40 in the Old Testament make it absolutely clear that Isaiah was saying the coming Messiah who who would follow the coming prophet So the coming prophet was John the Baptist who prepared the way. The Messiah is Jesus. This coming Messiah was Lord, Yahweh, Holy God, and Elohim, God of us. So Mark, in the very beginning, quoting Isaiah, says this Jesus that this gospel is about is God, is divine, the deity of Jesus Christ. Second teaching note. Um, starting at verse 16 and following when Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee and um, he sees Simon and Andrew, his brother, these two brothers, and of course Simon is Simon Peter, Peter the disciple, uh, casting a net and, and and, and he says, follow me. And they left their nets and followed Jesus immediately. Well, if all we had is Mark, we would think, well, Jesus was walking by, he sees these two guys for the first time, and he says, Come and follow me. And they did it immediately. And let's just be honest, it seems strange to us that people would, somebody would see Jesus for the very first time, and there's no other details of conversation. Just he says, Follow me. And they quit what they're doing, leave their business, leave their family, and they start following Jesus. Well, that's not the full story. We know from uh, the second chapter of John's gospel, that um, that, uh, Andrew um, was already a disciple of John the Baptist. And after John had baptized Jesus in the Jordan River, one day Jesus is walking by and two of John's disciples are standing there with him. One of them is Andrew. And Jesus invites them to spend the day with him. And Andrew gets his brother Simon, Simon Peter. And so they had spent a day with Jesus before the event here ever happened. So they spend this day with Jesus and then later on a different day, Jesus is walking by, they know each other and he says, you ready to follow me now? And they follow him. Now, from a teaching standpoint, what you have to understand is the Bible, the gospels are not written to give you every detail of every historical event, fill in all parts of the story. You get snippets. It's like there's a snapshot. And so when you read things and you think, well, I don't have the whole story. Well, that's right, because they're not trying to write a history book. Is this historical? Did this happen? Yes. Yes. But it's not written as a history book trying to give you a verbatim, detailed, step by step account. This is a snapshot, okay? So keep that in mind. Sometimes we come to the Bible and we read it incorrectly and it creates questions because we don't understand. It's just giving, it's it's like here's, here's the summary, here's the highlights, here's some details, but not every detail. Now we pick up some additional details, as in this case, from John chapter two, but there are many things. We just don't know all the, the, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. We just don't know all the other details. That's okay. They weren't trying to, if they wrote every detail of every event, the Bible would be this thick. So just understand what you're reading. The literature that you're, it's true, it's historical, but it's not a detailed history of everything that happened, And so half the questions that critics raise about things in the Bible and that sometimes come in our own minds are because we just think the Bible is not what it is. We, we, we just don't have the whole story. You don't need the whole story to know that Jesus invited them to follow him and they followed him. John just happens to tell us they'd already hung out with him for a whole day. And I can only imagine the conversations they had that day. Now, real quickly, my devotional thought. Um, And I'm recording this three weeks or so uh, before you're watching it. And so this past Sunday, we had Frank Turek here. Um, Not the Sunday before you're watching this video, but the Sunday before I record this, okay? And um, he said something that is true. And when I was reading this passage, it reminded me of that. Down in uh, verses 23 and uh, 24, Jesus uh, is in the synagogue in Capernaum, and there's a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit who cries out. And in verse 24, the unclean spirit or the demon says, what business do we, plural, for there were more than one, have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Us, what, what, you know, the, there's multiple ones of us, Jesus. What business do us, we have with you? So what, what together, what business do we have? But what caught my attention was at the end of verse 24, the demon said, Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The Holy One of God, another Old Testament descriptor or name for God. The demon said, Jesus, we know who you are, the Holy One of God. And one of our memory verses in recent months, and it's something that Frank Turek referred to Sunday, is from the book of James, chapter 2, verse 19. You believe that that, that God is one or there is one God, you do well. The demons or the devils also believe and shudder or tremble. Um, Demons know who Jesus is. They know who God is. And Tarek made the point that there's a difference between belief that and belief in. Belief that is that, yes, I believe that is true. The demons know who Jesus is. They believe that Jesus is real, that he's the Holy One of God, that he's God. They know that. They believe that. That's not the same as believing in. Believing in is trusting, making a commitment. When it comes to you and me and evangelism and people we care about who uh, are not following Christ and not living for Christ, listen, it is possible for someone to believe that God exists, that Jesus is who he said he was, and still not be willing to believe in. They can believe that Jesus is Messiah, Savior, Lord. They can believe that God is real, and they can believe there is a heaven. That does not mean they are willing to believe in, to trust to commit themselves to, depend on. Because some people want to be the master of their own destiny. They want to be their own God. They want to do their own thing. They want to do whatever they like, whatever they please. And even though they believe that Jesus is real and that you need to be saved and that God is real, they're still not willing to believe in and trust You see, it's not always a matter of, are you a really effective witness or a bad witness in terms of how you say things? Quite often, it's just a matter of the heart that the other person is not going to believe in and follow Jesus no matter what because they don't want to surrender, submit, and obey. They may believe that he's real and they need to, but that doesn't mean they will. There's a difference between believing that and believing in this is an illustration of it here. Hey, God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow as we look at Mark chapter 2.